Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Reminisce Angus Beef. Brian Massard and his family sell a unique Montana Angus beef sourced from high marbling bloodlines of the Reminisce Angus cattle. Brian says they are the only company they know of that has genetically tracked flavor and taste for 31 years to specific bloodlines in the Angus breed. We've joined together so our listeners have the opportunity to try Reminisce Angus beef in a couple of ways. There's a link in the bio on Instagram as well as the show notes where you can go to enter and win a 10-pound box of beef. There's also a code in the show notes and our bio on Instagram and a link where you can get a free pack of jerky. Yes, I said free. The Massard family and Reminisce Angus Beef Ranch are all about preserving the West, hence the name Reminisce, thinking back to a simpler time in the Old West. You can be a part of this as well by going to the show notes, clicking on the links, entering to win, and also using the code to get in the link to get free beef jerky. I personally have my freezer stocked with Reminis Angus beef and can assure you it is of the highest quality and some of the best tasting beef I've ever had. Good luck and enjoy. Danny Dietz, a true American hero, gave his life in Operation Red Wings on June 28, 2005. Now, with your support, we can honor his legacy and contribute to the noble cause of the Navy SEAL Danny Dietz Foundation. Modern Cowboy, along with the Wine Boss, have the perfect wine crafted to perfection. Each bottle sold, $5 goes back to the Navy SEAL Danny Dietz Foundation, which supports veterans, first responders, and their families. Order your wine today at www.winebosspasarobles.com. Thank you for your support. I swear that red dirt that you kicked up still ain't settled. There's no doubt you ain't let off that pedal Chasing highs and riding lows Your heart's tied down by the rodeo But if it ever lets you go Well, someday, cowgirl If you want to hang up those spurs And find out that the road you paved Ain't as good as this old Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. I'm really excited to have my guest on tonight. He's got a very uh, interesting uh, life, as we end up with a lot of people on the podcast. Uh, things come up that would surprise you, and Heath is no uh, exception. Heath Gazire, uh I met Heath through uh, another guy, Charles, who I had on the podcast. We actually went down to uh, Southern California to watch Charles fight. And there was another guy, and I think it was the only other guy in the audience that had a cowboy hat besides me. And uh, anyway, he ended up being good friends with Charles, and uh, we ended up going over to Heath's house and had a barbecue and uh, just had a great time. Uh, 
but it was interesting because he ends up he ends up being a star out of Hollywood on a show called The Young and the Restless that I don't think if you haven't heard of it you've been living under a rock but anyway uh my wife used to watch that show all the time back in the day so she was uh excited to meet Heath and and hang out at his ranch but uh, anyway that's how we met and uh so we'll just we'll get right into it and let Heath uh, give us his story. So Heath, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. It's fun to be here. Yeah. So now, is your is your place in Burbank or it's outside of Burbank? I don't remember exactly. Uh, we're in Simi Valley. Oh, Simi Valley. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's just kind of start from the beginning because I, I read a little bit of your your bio. Uh, you know how how you got started in in uh, in the Western world and with horses and stuff. Just go ahead and just start from the beginning and just tell us tell us a little bit about it. Interesting. So grew up mixed mixed folks and back and forth between a mom and a dad. And we when I was a kid, and I think I was in second grade, we were homeless, quote quote. And we're in Colorado. And so we ended up in living in the mountains for a year. And that was, that was my first touch with, you know, nature and doing things and, and being in that kind of rough world, which I absolutely loved. I'm sure my parents had a harder time than I did, but I thought it was just fantastic. And so my dad was very much of a cowboy. And so we lived that life and, I think when I was in fifth, sixth grade, I was on a, on all summer long. My job was timbering up in the Colorado Rockies and stayed up there all summer. And then the next summer, I got a job working on a dude ranch near Durango, Colorado. And as I, I was the newbie, so I'd had to go out and, and bring in all the horses from 100 acres and get them in in the morning, get them ready to go. And as the summer progressed, I, I progressed to taking out trail rides and doing the thing. And so I just fell in love with the, with that whole world. And then the next summer I was living with my dad and, and somehow it came up and I was 13 going on 14. And I heard that I could get my driver's license if I went to South Dakota and live with my mom for the summer and I could get my driver's license and I could come home and be cool and have the driver's license. So it was a big drama, but I ended up out, out with my mom in South Dakota and my job straight away, we decided I was going to, I went out and bought four two-year-old colts that had never been out of the pasture. They, I guess they were halter broken the, when they were born and then they had never been touched. And so I bought them and I brought them in and my job was going to be, I was going to break them and then sell them at the end of the year, at the end of the summer. And so that was fantastic. I just loved that. And I got my, I had my, had my driver's license now so I could go out and go out there and 14 years old. And, and so got them all broke. And then of course I fell in love with one of them. So I had to keep him. So that way it was a bust (laughs) (laughs) financially. But what I ended up doing that year was we had, my mom had some other couple other horses and she had a good, a good broke horse. And 
I ended up taking that horse out into the Black Hills for two weeks. And I just, I had a pack on the back and I got lost up in the hills and I'd pop out wherever I popped out and I'd ride my horse up to the saloon. And I looked really old at that time. So I was, I'd go in and buy a drink and hook up, you know, out in front. And it was just quite an experience. So I lived that world. That's really how that, how that started. And so I stayed in that world until I ended up out in, in LA and then that's that's kind of a different story. How, that's how, how my world started. How how did you end up in LA? Well, that's kind of a long story. So I quit high school after my junior year and I had this all planned and I and I found myself a job in Minnesota and I was going to go and and do stage lighting which I had been messing around with in South Dakota. And I was going to work at the big I don't remember what it's called, maybe the Guthrie or something in, in Minneapolis. And late in August, I get a call from my uncle. And of course, the family's all up in arms and I'm going to quit school. Right. And he called and he said, hey, what do you think about coming to Aspen and I can and, and go to school and I, I can find you a job and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll help you find a place to live and you, you can finish school. And I went, well, I don't know. Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. He said, well, the, o- the only problem with that is uh, if you want to play football, and that was my thing back then, is uh, practice starts tomorrow. So you'd have to, you'd, you have to come now. And I kind of thought about it for about 10 seconds and sounded like an adventure. So I went, okay. So off I went to Aspen and I got an apartment and I, I had most of my credits, so I didn't have to take a whole lot of school. And so I was working a construction job during the day and I was waiting tables at night and and late in the winter, I was waiting tables and it was a pretty fancy restaurant. And this absolutely stunning gal comes in the restaurant, she and another friend, and they're drop dead gorgeous. And they're they're at my table. And so I've never been in a more more proper bus boy. And I, right. they didn't go for water for sure. And I'm very attentive and and I'm chatting them up the whole time. And I ended up getting the girl's number. And I'm very proud of myself. And so off the girls go when they're done with dinner. And this other lady who's sitting across the way, she she waves me over and I come over and she says, um, do you know who that was? And I, uh, you know, embarrassed that my whole antics were were on display. And I said, no. <laughs> and she said, well, I want you to go to the, the store when you're done tonight. And I want you to pick up the Sports Illustrated. Okay. <laughs> Don't think anything of it. And so after my shift, I, I go down to the 7-Eleven and I pick up the Sports Illustrated and it's the swimsuit edition. I'm going through it and I go back to the front and it's, this girl and she's on the cover like holy smokes and so that's a whole nother story but anyway this gal says she gave me her number and she said call me i'm 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 an agent and so i call her and she and and she says you know you you have it you have a good look but and i'd like you to would you come down to the studio and take some pictures sure so I go down and we take some pictures and they they didn't turn out well at all. Really? Still, I was still that 
you know, senior in high school, baby fat and football and kind of junky in the face. And so anyway, they didn't they didn't turn out. But that was my first little dance with it. And then the day after graduation in Aspen, I got in the truck and I drove to California. And my goal was I was I was still really into stage lighting and I had been doing that in Aspen as well at the Wheeler Opera House. And so I went out and I got a job doing that. And at the same time, I was breaking horses for a guy named Jerry Weintraub, who was a very big producer in, in Hollywood. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he was uh, one of the producers on Tom Horn, which is one of my favorite movies. Was he not? I believe so. Yeah. 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 And so I ended up with a couple of roommates who were stuntmen. And we were having a party at the house and their agent came to the party and said kind of the same thing that the other lady said, Hey, you, you've got to look, you know, you want to, you want to try some stuff, some commercials and stuff. Sure. And so I go out and I get a couple of commercials right away and that's fun. And that's basically how it started. And then it progressed from there real quickly. It, it, it we ended up, I just fell into things, you know, and in life, I just kind of let life in those days, I just kind of let life lead me and it took me right. where it was going. Right. And somehow I met another agent who was a modeling agent who, again, we took some pictures and they really didn't take go that well. And they, you know, this guy presented it to a, a big agency and the agency said, well, yeah, yeah it's okay, but, but you, you, you're 10 pounds overweight. Right. Well, razzle, frazzle, frazzle, frack. So I, in a week, I lost 10 pounds and I went back and literally, literally in a week and they went, well, okay, I guess we have to take you. And I did a couple of things here and there. And then within a month or two of that, the guy said, uh, will you come down to the agency? We have a meeting. Sure. And so I go down there and it's a guy from France and he is, they're, they're recruiting guys to go to France to, to model. And so I, I got that gig. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a Euro pass and I'm going to Europe and, and I spent a year in Europe doing that. And then came back and, and then just kind of fell into the grind of, of being an actor. I did, yeah, I did about a hundred commercials. I was commercial guy there for a long time. Mm -hmm. All the time you're always trying to get that gig, you know, get the film role or get the TV right. role. And right. so I was, I was tap dancing through that stuff and, and got quite a bit of stuff. You know, I was doing Murder, She Wrote and Columbo. And, you know, oh, yeah. this is back in the yeah, early, yeah. late Absolutely. 80s. And um, then, well, it kind of went like that for a long time. And I had, you know, I had the day job, day job. I was working casting, uh, commercial casting. And so that was getting me through, getting me through from gig to gig. Right. And then I started getting some some bigger stuff. So the the first big one that I got, I mean, the series were fun, and I and I did some other movies, but uh, the first big one was Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner. That was and, in, what ninety four. Uh, it came out in ninety four. I think we were doing that in ninety two when we okay. were shooting it. Okay. And that one was a was a it was bittersweet. So I had auditioned, I don't know how many times, probably 
seven times where I'd gone in with the casting director and then somebody else and then somebody else and then a big room. And then finally the last one was with Larry Kasdan and he's sitting on the couch. And anyway, I was auditioning for one of the Burt brothers. Right. So it was going to be a really big deal for me. And it was Costner and he was kind of my hero. And, right. And um, it all, all said and done, they I didn't get that part, but they gave me something else, which happens a lot. Gotcha. And so I was, I was really quite disappointed and I, I'm going to segue right into this story because it's pretty right. funny. So anyway, <laughs> I, I get, I, I get my script and it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. You right. Know, it's right. 10 minutes of airtime if that. And so I just, I just don't do my work on it apparently. And, and then I get to the set and I'm there for almost a month for all of this stuff. And I, I was listening to your thing with, um, see Thomas Howell the other yeah. day, and he had a similar story where right. you end up on the set. And when you've got these smaller parts, you just have, you, you have no idea what's going on. Right. And you show up and it's an 18 hour day and you do nothing. And maybe there's a scene, but you're the background in the scene and you're doing nothing and you're just bored to tears. And we're out in the, out in the middle of the New Mexico desert. And right. And so I've been there for three weeks and I've done almost nothing and it's coming on 16 hours. And, and then I hear the shout, okay, red, you're on. Whoa, whoa, what, what we're going really? It's, it's such a long day and I've, I've been there forever. Right. And so, yeah, so we're going to start. And so this first scene that we're doing, and it's a big, it's a big, they've built this huge saloon and there is supposed to be packed full of of um, extras and so we do a, we do a couple of run-throughs and do the get the cameras ready and then they bring all the extras in and and we do our first take and um i'm supposed to so the first one i'm i'm off camera and i'm out i'm by the door and they're doing the big master shot and i'm supposed to come in and i'm supposed to interrupt costner and uh, tia leone they're doing a scene together and it's one of the hardest things in acting to do is to hit your mark and come in and interrupt somebody at the, at, at the right time. Right. And so first take, we, we go and it takes fine. But then Kasdan says, Hey, red, I, I, I can actually see you. you we're going to have to put you outside. And so they put me outside and it's crickets out there. Everybody's inside and it's dark and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm the only person out there and I'm, I'm talking to a sec, you know, to a PA and I'm, and I'm like, well, how, how do I know when I'm supposed to come in? Oh, we're, we'll get you a light. And so they bring out this big light and it's got a red thing on it. And so when the light comes on you, you come on in. And so I'm out there and it's pitch dark and boom, this light comes on, scares me to death. It's like this boom, bright light. And I jump and I go through the door and I, you know, I do my thing and I'm looking around and I'm, I see him through the way and I, and I go and the extras will not let me through. I cannot get through them. I'm fighting my way through them. So oh I get God. to Costner way late and they're vamping, filling time, waiting right. for me to come in and interrupt. Right. Finish the scene. Kazan, hey, Red, you're late. You're late. I, I know, I know. And so I go to the, the AD and I'm like, I, 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 I couldn't, they wouldn't let me through. Can I, you know, and I'm kind of panicked and I'm still, you know, I'm in my late 20s, mid twenties and I'm, but it's, I'm, I'm 
kind of, I'm now nervous. Right. So he talks and I get sent back out next take red light comes on and I come through the door and the extras part like the red sea. And there is no way that I can make it look like I'm struggling to find when he's right there because right. they right. just opened up. And so of course I get there too early. <laughs> oh, God. Red, you got to slow down. You're, you're too early. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. And of course, I'm just I'm, I I don't have a good personality for an for an actor back then because I just it was way too controlled and, and self-worried. Right. Right. And so now I'm out there for the third time. And, and now I'm just because, you know, I'm just I've been called out three times in a row. Right. Red light comes on third time. Here I go. Come in. Extras are perfect. I get there and I blow my lines. Oh, no. Now I'm freaking horrified. I am literally horrified. And they say, okay, cut, cut. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna switch cameras. So just everybody take a break for a minute. I'm getting my script and I'm running to a corner. I literally am hiding behind a light thing and I'm going through my script, trying to remember my lines and I'm, and I'm freaking out. And I'm there for about 10 minutes and finally I feel a hand on my shoulder and I look up and and it's Costner. And he says, hey, Dude, don't, 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 don't worry about it. I let me tell you a story. And he starts telling me the story about when he was doing JFK. And he apparently had this like 12 minute monologue. Right. And he does the monologue, and Oliver Stone comes up to him and says, uh, Yeah, Kevin, that was that was really good. But if you could do that, you know, just 20 seconds faster, that would be great. <laughs> And so he he's 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 just fabulous. He's just wonderful. He gets me through the day. And so we 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 get through that night and I I survive. I'm still panicked. And then the next day I have to say I he just he, he took me under his wing and it, it, it was it was amazing. I mean I was working the next day and we we did our job and then I I wanted to stick around. It was an hour and a half back to the hotels and he kind of saw me they were trying to wrangle me up and get me get me out of there and and I said, "Well, okay." And he came over and he said, "Hey, Red, you want you want to hang around? I I can get you home." And I said, "Yeah, yeah I'd love to." And so for the next week I went back and forth with him and with his driver and got to watch him work with his assistant as they were running lines for the next day and running lines. And, and it was, it was ended up being just an amazing experience. Basically a masterclass. <laughs> it was a masterclass in, in doing it. Yeah. What a great story. So when, when did you, when did you get onto the young and the restless? Sorry about that. No. Say again? No. Uh, when when did you get on to the Young and the Restless? Was that after? Uh, was that after? Was that after that? That was after. So after I did, after I did um, Wyatt Earp, then and I had already done a, a bunch of westerns up up until then, and I had did an amazing, uh, had a great job with um, Johnny Cash, which was really right up there with the pinnacle of of that my career that was i had a he was another one who couldn't have been more amazing took me onto his bus to give me the tour it it was great 
Um, so anyway, after Wyatt Earp came out, then I got a gig, which was the funnest job I ever had. And it was called Trinity. Uh, it was called the Sons of Trinity, which yeah, was a remake yeah of uh, my name is trinity from back in the 70s they had a whole bunch of uh, trinity movies right and that that was a blast and that was trinity and so we spent three months in spain and and that was that was a great experience and then i came off of that and then i kind of went back into the audition deal and i was going through a divorce at the time and so my mindset was just not right and then I got an audition and that's, I basically got that. I got that in 96. Okay. Started that on nine in 96. And then how, how long, how long did, was your run on that show? Uh, three years. Okay. Three years. And that was at least in the beginning, the first year, it was the hardest job I've ever done ever. Really? Because it was just so much material um anybody who hasn't done it needs to have a whole lot of respect for for those folks because it's a it's a lot i mean there there are days when when your show you know when your storyline is on on those right. shows you're doing 10 to 12 pages a day which is already a lot of material right and then there were there was a time when my co-star was on vacation and then I was sick or, or something happened. And so we had this big span and, and they don't have a whole lot of lead time between when you do it right. and, and when they air it so that we, we had to make up all these shows. And so that day we did 70 pages oh in gosh. one day and just knocked them out. And fortunately that was far enough into my run that I, I kind of had it figured out. Right. The very beginning, it was, it was, I would, I'd get this. And first of all, I was a doctor. Right. Second right. of all, I was a gynecologist. <laughs> Third of all, that was a big part of the whole, the whole storyline was right. I, I, I was married to Nikki, who's, who's the main lady on the show. Yes. And she was having gyne gynecological problems. Right. I would get the script and I I had to go get a medical journal to figure out how to even say some of these words, much less know what they meant. Oh. And so I forget where I was going there, but no, we were, just, was... we were just talking about your run on that show and, and how, how, how hard it is to really get and, and do all the lines, how many pages you got to do. And, and then, like you said, they'd have a gap and you guys would be do, having to make up all this time and do like 70 pages in a day. Uh, so, oh, I know where I was going. Where so at the beginning, it was so much material that what I what I ended up doing is I had a little self recorder and I'd record the other person's lines, and I would walk around the neighborhood until three o'clock in the morning, and people must have just thought I was a <laughs> wackajack because I was out there talking to myself and playing the recorder and talking to myself and oh damn it, that's not what I meant to say. Right, right. <laughs> Trying to memorize everything for the next day, and they, you know, on on Friday they'd plop a whole bunch of scripts down on your table and those were the scripts for the following day so you didn't have a whole lot of time to to prep that's crazy yeah and then the other thing about that show is because they're doing an hour of of stuff a day right where a normal series is you're looking at seven to nine days right where in a soap you're doing a show every day and so 
as an actor, I, I watched it time and again. If if you didn't, if you got any kind of a reputation for not getting your lines right the first time, you're done. You were gone. Yeah, and then you just you just didn't last because they just don't have the time. That's crazy. So then after after uh, the run on that show, uh, did you stay in acting at, at that time at that point too, or and how did how no. So interesting. So at the end of that show, that show ended for me in a strange way. So at the very end, the end of, end of my run, I, I got this, I got these scripts and they were just amazing for this, this last week right. and they were ramping up and it was the best material I'd had the entire time. It was right. just great, a great script and, and fun. And it had some chops to it. Right. And so I, I get my, my load of scripts, and I'm reading through them and it's like, oh, this is great. And it's every day is getting better and better and better. And then they get to the last day and I'm shot. Oh, you're kidding. And, it, you know, it's the Friday cliffhanger. And so I call up the front office and I say, um, hey, you know, I, I just read the material and it's it's amazing. It's great. But I'm I'm I, I'm I'm shot. Am I am I dead? And the lady starts crying and she said, Oh my God, I can't believe they didn't tell you. Oh, you're kidding. And it was this, yeah. So I, that's how I found out that I'm, that I'm leaving the show. Oh my God. And you know, the story behind it was that Nikki and Victor have been the, the main people on that show for decades. Right. And me being killed was the precipitous of getting them back together for the first time in many, many years. And so that was a, a big deal that they wanted to keep under wraps. But at the end of the day, when that whole thing came down, that's when I realized that as an actor, you're the last to be hired. You're the first to be fired. You have <laughs> no control unless you're an A-list actor. You, you, right. You've got no control over anything. Right. And I just, and I knew back then, I'm a different guy now, but back then I just, I, I finally realized after so many years of kind of letting life lead me, I kind of realized that I, I just wasn't the right personality for an actor. Right. As an actor, you need to, you need to be able to celebrate your wins. And, you know, when you get that job, it's gotta be the best funnest thing on the planet. Right. <laughs> and for me, it was for about three minutes and then I'd start stressing and worrying about my lines and, and, you know, this inner self-control stuff. And it's just not a great personality for as, as an actor. Right. And at that time I was, I was writing. And so I, that's when I segued into writing and I was doing scripts at that time and, and, um, started some, some novels. And so that I love. Right. Writing is amazing because I can, well, as long as I want, <laughs> right. I, I, when it's perfect to my ability, I can then put it out there and not before. Right. And so I, I very much enjoyed that. So the wrote a script and got a, a, a series picked up. Well, it didn't get picked up. We, we did a pilot for it. And, um, my partner in that was a, a couple of, uh, NFL football players mm -hmm. And we were using their stories and it was, it was called the pit and it was very, very early precursor to some of the other stuff that they did later on with all the sports guys. Right. Um, but it was a, 
behind the scenes of pro football. Gotcha. And so we did, we did the pilot, the pilot didn't get picked out, but, but that was a fun experience writer and producer on that. Right. And then I moved to the, to the books and to the novels. And so I got a couple of those published and a, and a memoir and, and that, that was very fulfilling. Yeah. And then how, how long have you had the ranch there in Simi Valley? Um, uh, Kathleen, my, my wife, she got it in 2004 okay. as, as raw land. And as you saw it, it's, it's very well put together now. Yeah. Houses and 50 sure. acres and, very and, nice. um, yeah. So it, it, the intention behind that was she'd been in the industry training horses and training people for forever. And she found that there was a thing that was missing in the industry in Southern California and kind of everywhere Right, was that there was no specific place for rehabs. And so when you've, and she's in the hunter jumper world. So when these, you know, Grand Prix horses, when they break, right. They'd get stuck at the equestrian center at a in a twelve by twelve stall when they're when they're in layup, and it was just miserable for for the horses and the humans. Right. In that it was just it was just not a good place to recover. And these are pro athletes, so you need to take care of them. Right. And so that was that was the initial deal was that it was going to be a, a a rehab and so it's you know 16 by 16 stalls with open windows with all of the accoutrements that you need and the olympic sized arena and the euro sizers and all the all the stuff yeah. that you need for that kind of a thing yeah and so that's that that's where it developed and now you you guys also do some uh film you shoot some films there and do some production stuff there as well right yeah, it's it's pretty fun for me. So I've kind of been out of the the film industry since I guess I guess the last job I did was 2006 maybe. Um but it's fun. It it keeps me in it keeps me in that world. And so we we did a a show last year. We did uh 5 or 6 months of a show called Mayans which is the uh it's the pre uh the sequel to Sons of Anarchy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know the show. Bike, a biker deal. Yeah, and so we do that. We do a lot, a lot of print stuff because we we've got fifty acres and we back onto just amazing, beautiful landscape with nothing back there at all. Yeah, yeah. And so we can get back in there, and so we do a lot of like Vogue and and that kind of stuff. Very cool. So then now. Um... Let's let's talk about your the products that you guys have developed and you have. Uh, it, how when did that start? And uh, just tell us about all those products. Yeah, so we well how that started and and we we didn't really preface it. So we so we have a, a manufacturing company and we have we do a lot of products and and all the products that we make are Kathleen is the brainiac and so she invents all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the first one was a product called No Thrush, and it's for hoof infections for horses. And she started making this at home, and for several months she she'd come home and she'd say, you know, I need I need to make some more of my my thrush stuff. And I was doing other stuff, so I wasn't really involved with the farm at that time, and 
And so it was, it was at, at first it was getting kind of annoying because she, you know, she works 14 hour days and she'd come and oh, I've got to go make my stuff. And she'd disappear for four hours in the garage making her stuff. Right. And I'm, I finally, you know, at, at various parties and stuff and people are going, Hey, I need some more of that stuff. So all of her peers are asking her to make stuff for her. Right. And I, and I'm finally going, Hmm, there's obviously something here because there's some really high end people asking her for her thrush stuff. Right. And so I, I finally said, you know, we, we need to, maybe we should just make a really big batch of this and, and try and sell it. We both kind of went, okay, well, neither one of us had any kind of that kind of a background right. of how to do any of that. So we're on online trying to figure out, you know, how you price it and you know, what do you sell it to the store for? And then what do they sell it for? And what do you sell it on the, you know, we're trying to do this on Google. Well, those, that information is not really out there. Right. I'd have to look now, but it certainly wasn't then. I mean, they don't, you don't get any straightforward answers. Right. And I don't think it is because I, I talk to newbies now and they're going through the same thing that we were back then, where you're just trying to figure out all that business stuff that, you know, you have a really great idea, but then how do you, how do you, how do, you do something with it? Right. So anyway, we, we did and, and we did the best we could and we started selling online and, and that went amazing. That went great. And all of a sudden, you know, now we're at two o'clock in the morning every day, sitting in the living room, doing post office boxes and sending out internet sales. And, and then we started selling it into some of the local stores here. And that quickly went to national. And then within a year, we were selling it in pallets to UK and Japan. And, and so that went great. And so that was the first one. And that, that kind of, we rode that one for a long time. And then she started making some, some other stuff. And the, 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 the newer one is, and I don't even know if we talked about it last time we chatted, but um, it's a, it's a muscle liniment and it's, it's, it's a rock star. It's an amazing product. And we now just have the human label. So now we're kind of back to our, where we were in the early days because the human sales world is a completely different animal than right, the animal right. health sales yeah, world. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's different distributors and it's different this and it's different that. So we're, we're now back to, square one where we're trying to figure out how to get that in, in, in the, in the CVSs of the world and that kind of thing. Right. So um, now is that the natural release? Yeah. Okay. Cause I did get some of that from you and, and, but I, but I don't know if you had the human yet. I think maybe it was still a horse or was it? Yeah, it, it was horse. And, and we really had no intention of doing the human because everybody was using it for themselves. Right. Right. But it became a problem where all where we had some some very high end, high visibility uh, right. horse people shouted out on their social media and whatnot, right. and then people would start buying it. Well, all of their fans aren't necessarily horse people, and so their fans would get it, and then they'd read the label and they'd go, uh, "Wait a second, this is for horses. This is right. what." Right. And so it just got really confusing. And so it was trying to ha having to answer way too many questions. Right. And so we went, finally went through all the rigmarole to, to get the human label in place. 
Right. And so now we have both. They're both called natural release, and it's still a little bit confusing. We probably should have renamed it something different, but <laughs> we we kind of wanted to ride on the tails of the horse stuff. Yeah, and it's it's what it's uh like Dead Sea Minerals and um, eucalyptus and oh. And arnica, yeah. So, so the real quick pitch on it. So, dead sea magnesium, it, it's a cool ingredient. So, right. it's a, it's a transdermal form of magnesium. Right. So, we all take magnesium pills, and we do it because it's great for leg cramps and it softens the muscle, and that's right. that's what magnesium does. This is a transdermal form of it. So, it's literally taking that entire dose of magnesium through the skin into the deep tissue where the problem is. So, if you've right. got a shoulder issue, it's getting in actually into the deep tissue and it's a carrier. So all of us horse people, we know like DMSO is a carrier. Right. And it carries other stuff with it. Well, this carries the arnica and the eucalyptus all the way inside with it as well. And that knocks down an immense amount of inflammation, which is why this is so good for arthritis and tendonitis. And I, I funny story, I just had a, every year I have a booth at the NFR and it's at the at the South Point where they have the World Series of Team Roping. And I end up with more sales to the to the cowboys and I, I have even before the human stuff came out for their roper shoulder. Right, right. And their tendonitis in their elbow. In fact, I had a guy last year, I had a guy, I'm standing and it's pretty quiet in the aisle, and I see this this big cowboy just stomping down the down the thing and he's just he's kind of he's he's coming right at me and he's just dead eyeing me right and and he's a big boy and i'm i'm kind of taking a step back and he comes up and he says i i i was told that that you've got some 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 muscle some muscle stuff i i i and then he puts his arm up and he literally can't get his hand up over his shoulder and he's and he's doing this and he's go i'm going in an hour and i <laughs> i can't get it up fast. i can't this is as far as i can put my do you have something and and he's just so freaking panicked that i just hand him a bunch of samples and said go 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 just use it three times before you go just go and he stomps off and then <laughs> It was a couple hours later and I see the same guy coming down the aisle and he's got his grumpy face on and then he's about 50 feet away and he smiles and raises his hand up above his shoulder. <laughs> he's got a big grin on and he comes up and he says, okay, you know, this is not perfect. It didn't make it perfect, but I was able to go and I was able to throw my rope. That's great. So it was pretty funny. That's great. Yeah. So, um, and you, this is all available online through your guys' website as well. Yep. Yep. Um, the horse stuff is, is everywhere. Like the no thrush is in everybody's tax stop tax right. store, the natural releases in a lot of tax stores and you know, Amazon and right and everywhere online. Okay. Yeah. Great. And our website. Yeah. Well, Hey, we're getting kind of close to the end here, but, um, I always ask everybody, uh, you, you got a favorite brand of, of cowboy hats that you wear? I do. And it depends on my situation. So Stetson's always been my, my, my go out hat. Right. And I just found, I was at the Reagan library recently and went through, went through the deal and I got to the gift shop at the end and there's this whole bunch of hats up on the thing. And it's the, the, the Reagan, the Stetson, I forget how they branded it, but it was Stetson made it specifically for Ronald Reagan. Right. And it's the hat that he always wears when he's out, that you always see him when he's out at the ranch and he's got that radial right, right. hat on and it fit. 
Perfect. So that's that's my new favorite hat right now. And that's my go out hat. Nice. And then for my when I'm working at the ranch and doing my thing, um my my go-to and it has been for years is the Tilly hat. Okay. Which is a it's a Canadian, it's not a, it's not a cowboy hat per se, but it's a you know, it covers you, but it's not a too floppy and right handles the wind, which is the big thing where I can't really wear my my cowboy hat or my straw when I'm out there. Right. So those are those are my two go-tos. How about boots? You got a favorite brand of boots? Boots, I have to say, I spent so many years in casting and and now doing trade shows and standing so long that I I finally had to get rid of my ego and and stop wearing my my nice boots. It just was not good on my feet anymore. Right. So I've gone to uh, Air, Ariat just kind of the the low heel areas that's right. basically what I what I wear now yeah and how about the uh, cowboy movies you got a favorite Silverado yeah <laughs> I loved Silverado yeah yeah Costner <clears throat> was young in that he was very young in that one of yeah. one of his one of his early ones and and I, I don't even think I really knew who he was much at that. Well, maybe I did. I don't remember. I don't remember when exactly that came out, but it was, it was just that combination of fun and drama. And it just, it had a little of everything good yeah. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your website where people can go to your website and, and uh, to get your products besides Amazon? You got, right. Uh, Four Oaks products.com. Yeah, perfect. Spelled out F O U R. Or oaks products well we'll i'll put all that in the show notes anyway and and uh all the your social media links and everything else but uh the one thing i i gotta say too when we were down there we were at your place um there was uh, several other guys there and i for right now i don't remember their names but uh i think most of them were actors or aspiring actors besides charles <laughs> and um uh, anyway i just remember we did we had such a great time and, uh, you know, I, super night out by the fire that I really enjoyed you and your wife. And it was great to have you both out there. Yeah. Yeah. We really did too. And, uh, we'll have to do it again. One of these days, please got, definitely going to need to come back down there and, uh, and hang out. Well, anyway, Heath, Hey, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I'm sure I'll see you again here in the not too distant future. And, and obviously we'll be watching Charles with everything that he's doing, uh, right. they, you know, from his, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll shout him out properly. Charles Bahala. Yeah. 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 And there you go. Four time world movie tie champion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's an incredible athlete. That guy, huh? For sure. Oh man. Yep. Yeah. You, you missed his last fight. His last fight was, I, I know he, he, oh, we talked about it. We talked about it. It was it was a display. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clinic. Yeah. All righty, Heath. Well, hey, man, thanks again for your time, and then uh, we'll we'll be in touch soon. That sounds great. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you. You bet. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock, 
And I sit down a cooler I drive that old back road Until it ends At the rope and pin We got them rusted out pickups And fancy rigs Twenty thousand dollar horses Then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in To the rope and pin can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pin And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and pin. Well, I ain't no play your speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down at the roping pen.